welcome back, my fans, friends, and fanatics. As you know, it's me, Christopher Wilmot, your continual host for our Truth Over Tea podcast, where we're learning to tell the truth over spilling the tea to the LGBT community and even beyond. So whether you're in the community or affiliated with it or even beyond it, I welcome you and thank you again for your listenership. If you don't know me by now, I'm Christopher Wilmot, as you heard, and... I spent four to five active years in the LGBT lifestyle identifying with homosexuality. That's some tea about me, but here's some truth about me. God accepted me, God changed me, and he's helping me control me over those sexual desires and issues. So if he can do it for me, why not for you? And this podcast is teaching you how. But specifically in this bonus series, we're going beyond the LGBT related topics that we're used to targeting and tackling. And we're gonna deal with topics of your concern and societies. So if this podcast or this specific installment of truth blesses you, don't forget to like, comment, and share it. So without further ado, hopefully you have your tea and you're ready to join me for this installment of truth. Hello and welcome back fans, friends, and fanatics. And just like that, we have another beyond bonus episode for you in this Beyond Bonus series where we're going beyond LGBT-related subjects and matters to tackle all matters that will help you live a loving, truthful life in Christ as disciples thereof of Christ. As you know, I'm your continual host as the introduction has so eloquently established for you all, if I might say. And I'm going to pick up off of where we've been discussing where a factory reset is concerned, talking about getting back to love, standing on love, and some of the benefits thereof of that. And also understanding the relationship that God wants to build with us, of course, in love and with love. And so to do so, we had to become reconciled. And Jesus has already done that. We saw that in Corinthians, that Jesus has reconciled us unto himself by accepting us in the beloved, Ephesians 1, 6, which is the hallmark of a whole gay apparel ministry, is that um, God wanted you to know that you're accepted so you could feel and, and experience and know you are loved. Now, why is that? Just to feel it and he's so concerned about your feelings? No, 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 no. It's not just for feelings. It's for your faith because we know faith works by love, according to Galatians. And so he wants you to have faith in him by knowing he loves you and the love he has for you. So it can develop the attention, the affection, it can develop the emotion, it can develop the connection. And I think that's what's going to lead people to change. And that's going to lead people in truth, which oftentimes people are trying to lead people to do without love. They want to lead people to change and they want to lead people to truth without love. And they're trying to use truth to lead people to truth to truth. (laughs) That's a tongue twister. They're trying to lead people to truth with truth. And they're trying to lead people to change with truth. And truth alone will not change anybody. Facts alone will not change anybody. The Bible alone will not change anybody. You need the spirit. You need love. You need God. Now, as you see, I'm diving already. So hopefully your tea is hot, ready, or some choice of beverage, and you're ready to join me for this installment of truth. But I really want to dive into what we're going to be discussing today, talking about the condemned heart and the effects of condemnation specifically to the LGBT community or really any oppressed community that's probably suffering from depression because of the suppression that has happened to the community from condemnation and shame and guilt that people are constantly telling people that they are not accepted. Now, this is the Beyond series, so we're going to tackle some references and maybe even examples in other communities where this is prevalent, where people are just not feeling accepted, not experiencing change because they're not feeling accepted or not feeling accepted because they're, they're thought 
to be rejected by God because of all the truths that people are telling them about God. Because, yes, it is true that the Bible condemns homosexuality. It is true that, you know, the wages of sin is death. It is true that there is a such thing as sin. It is true there is a such thing as hell. But what is not true is some of the things I'm getting ready to tell you that are going to blow your mind. I believe this installment of truth is going to prepare us for what God has been constantly talking, teaching, sharing, revealing to me on the subject of end time divine judgment. I think a lot of people need to come to a, a sobriety and understanding and a revelation where that's concerned. And when I say a lot of people, I am even including myself because I think we judge people because we think God's trying to do that. And we talk about people and shame people because we think God is doing that, which all of that is keeping people from love, which is going to ultimately lead people to change. So we again, we're trying to lead people to change and lead people to truth, but not lead them with love. And I think it's because they think in the end times when God judges the earth, which he will, um, that he's looking forward to that day, first and foremost, which is a, one of the most misconceptions about God is that God is looking forward to judging people, which he's not. In fact, if you knew God as being love versus just God being true, you would know that God is actually dreading that day. I remember God told me through Jesus, gave me an, uh, a vision. We were talking through our relationship. Hopefully you're establishing your own. Um, the Lord was telling me through the Holy Spirit that that's his worst day. His worst day is yet to come. You know, we thought the cross and dying on the cross was his worst day. His worst day, I believe what the Lord told me through his spirit was his worst day will come when he has to judge the earth and tell them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. I thought he was going to be saying that in a happy, zealous way, like we typically see God as through the veil that we have of him because we don't know his love for us. God so loved the world he gave his son, not to condemn the world, but to love the world. And we have to see God from that perspective so we can approach judgment from that perspective. We can also approach people from that perspective. But unfortunately, if you don't, this is how I think we've caught caught. That's excuse me. Unfortunately, if you don't, I think that's how we have got caught up in judging people, condemning people and shaming people, even for homosexuality and, and, and really any other sin thereof. So we're going to dive into that. There's a little prelude, a little introduction to what we're going to be discussing today. And we started off in our foundation scripture where we talked about factory reset, which is um, Revelations 2 verses uh, 2, I think it was. It says that I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance that you cannot tolerate evil and wickedness and sin, which most people can't who call themselves believers and disciples of Jesus Christ. Um, and those who, and you even uh, test those who call themselves apostles, as I continue to read in verse 2. But he says... Uh, there's one thing that I have against you, verse four, is that you have left your first love. Verse four, again, you have left your first love. And that's what we're getting factory reset back to. It's like, yeah, you're zealous. Yeah, you're passionate. Yeah, you may be living holy. Yeah, righteousness, all those different things, which are still key component things in walking with Jesus as a disciple of Jesus. But the very fair, the very key thing to all of that you lack, he says in verse four, and that's love. He wants you to return back to that. And that's what we're getting factory reset back to. And verse four in the Amplified says, I have this one charge to make against you. Out of all the good things you've done, this is one thing bad that is drastic that you've done, he would say. Verse four in the Amplified says that you have left and abandoned the love that you had at first. You've deserted me, Jesus, your first love. So he needs to be our first love. As this scripture says in verse five, he says, remember this. Remember where you have fallen 
and repent, which means to go back and believe something again, repent and, and believe this love is what he's referring to in this context. And he said, do the deeds that you did at first. So go back and do what you once did or else I'm coming to you, which we all know Jesus is, and I will remove your lamp stamp and, and unless you repent. Now, that's kind of like the consequence for not repenting is that you're going to be removed from him. And, and in this context, you're going to be removed from uh, the lamp stamp that God has given that church, that people is going to be removed from them. I don't want to get caught up in the consequence or the the the, the judgment portion of it just yet. I want to build a foundation a little bit more. It's by coming back to this love. We need to all, including myself, repent to love. Repent, meaning again, change your mind and come back to believe the very thing that started us in this walk of faith, which is love. We know Galatians says faith works by love. And I see so many people trying to live this life of faith without love, or they're trying to have faith or exercise their faith without love when faith is motivated by love. So you'll have no motivation I had a prayer request come in before at our midweek prayer. Somebody asked, of course, their name will remain anonymous, as I often do. They asked, can you pray for me for motivation? I'm lacking motivation. And I'm like, motivation, inspiration really comes from love. And so at some point somewhere you got off love or you got distracted off love. And so you're not really being inspired in your faith. So no wonder why you're trying to use faith without love, because you have nothing fueling your faith, which is love. So repent, take your faith back to love, not back to truth, not back to to theology, not back to your roots of your ancestors, not back to cultural upbringing. No, 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 no. All that stuff is good. And it has its place, as we said in season three. But we're not bringing our faith back into our race, our sex, or our sexuality. We're bringing our faith back into love. And that's where he says, I have this one charge against you. And I believe he has this charge against us is that we have left love. And that's what he's trying to factory reset us back to. Now, I say that because another scripture we're going to go to. I'm ripping through this. Like, you know, I only have 30 minutes. So I have to speak and preach and teach very quickly. So please bear with me. Um, I'm going to read from this other scripture as we build upon this foundation and kind of go into some of the judgment, condemnation things that we're going to be discussing for this evening's uh, installment of truth. This scripture reads in, if I have it here, Lord willing, I do. Lord, where is it? I don't see it. Mm, I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> um. I'm going to pull it out. Give me a second. Here it is in. Sorry for that quick, quick delay. Second Thessalonians three and five. Second Thessalonians three and five. My squeaky chair. And sound of my Bible you can hear here. Second Thessalonians three, five in the Amplified Classic reads, may the Lord direct your hearts into realizing and showing the love of God and into the steadfastness and patience of Christ and in waiting for his return. This is what's going to help us finish our race. This is what's going to help us as we wait for the Lord's return, which he is returning soon. What's going to help us to do that? Love. As simple and as elementary as that may be, we got to come back to that because we're building on that. And if you move from that, you're going to be building it in vain and you're going to do something wrong. You're going to get out of step because you're off step and you're not building on the foundation at which he laid to start us in this faith and build this house of faith and this uh, uh, community of faith, as we have called ourselves in the body of Christ. He says the Lord is going to direct your heart into realizing and showing the love of God, which we already know they shall know us by our love. 
love, the scripture also continues to say in other other chapters and verses. So if they're going to know us by our love and not our truth, as I said before and in our episode past, we have to make sure we get back to love. And not this cliche thing of love, this religious understanding or misunderstanding and approach to love, but a relational experiential uh, encounter of love. I love Ephesians 3 where it says that I want you to come to know through experience, not mere knowledge, the love of God. I'm, I have to go there. A lot of scripture. I'm going to hit you with it because I'm going somewhere with all of these points on love because I have to get you so soaked and saturated in the love of God when we start talking about the judgment from God because what I'm getting ready to share with you and sh- tell you is going to shock you. It's going to it's going to probably make you think I'm speaking or preaching or teaching blasphemy or whatever the case may be or heresy or not really blasphemy, but more so heresy, because you think I'm saying things that I may not be saying. But if I show it to you in scripture, as I often do, you know, I can't be lying because you see it, too. So Ephesians three, don't take my word, take his. This is the kind of love, not the religious love I'm talking. You've probably heard or you've heard other people talk of, but this experiential love. Ephesians 3 says, um, verse 17, going fast, y'all. I'm so sorry. I'll try to slow down. Ephesians 3, verse 17. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Remember, we just saw in 2 Thessalonians that God's going to direct us with our hearts and realizing and showing this love. Now, in Ephesians 3, continuing to read in verse 17, He says that that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. So by faith, he's coming into your heart. That's where we get the whole expression. Have you accepted Jesus in your heart? By faith, that you be rooted and grounded in love. Now, remember, faith works by love. That's why they put this in verse 17, that you're going to allow Christ to dwell in your hearts by faith, rooted on love or in love. Verse 17. Now, verse 18 reads that. That you may be able to comprehend. I love this in some other translations. That you may be able to comprehend, have the power and to apprehend and, and, and comprehend with all the saints, God's devoted, consecrated people, the experience of that love, which surpasses mere knowledge. Oh, I love this. That So you may be able to come and uh, uh, comprehend with all the saints, the height, the depth, the width, the breadth and length. And height of his love and that you may know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. So he says the love that I'm bringing you back to is going to go beyond your understanding. It's going to go beyond your knowledge. It's going to go beyond your theology. And watch this. This is really radical. I'm, prep- I'm prepping you, seasoning you, beating them. Well, I don't want to say that. I'm seasoning the meat, um, prepping the meat before I cook the meat. So, so what I'm getting ready to share with you is a meaty revelation. Um, as God is preparing me and, and is revealing it to me. I'm going to prep you with these little radical truths. I'm bringing you back to love, not to truth, he says, as I've said before. I'm bringing you back to uh, understand this love, which just can't be really understood. So it's going to surpass your knowledge. It's going to surpass your understanding. Why? So you can be, you can know the love of Christ, verse 19, which surpasses mere knowledge that you may be filled and flooded with the fullness of God himself. See, that's what I'm trying to bring you to that God is bringing me into this fullness, this abundance of his love, which is the fullness and abundance of him because God is love as we've read. Now, what's the purpose of all of this? Because God is saying that if I, as I've said before, if I bring you back to love, I'm going to lead. That's going to lead you to change. If I bring you back to love, it's going to lead you in truth. But I cannot lead you in truth with truth. I cannot lead you into change without love. 
So love is going to be the motivation. Love is the precursor. Love is the undertone to everything we ought to be doing. But it's not just a religious understanding of it, because really the experience he wants you to have with it is going to go beyond your understanding of it. And that's what I'm trying to bring you to. So and that's how he's going to direct you in your hearts with faith and in love. Now, what does this have to do with everything? This condemnation. Let me show you this in some scriptures. Um, ooh, Jesus. Let me show you guys this in some scriptures. Hold on. Now, let's look at this here. Because a lot of people, again, do not feel reconciled to him. Jesus, that is. They don't feel like they have a connection with God because they feel like God condemns them, condemns them for what they do, condemns them for what they've done, especially when we deal with sexuality and sexual sins. And I want to read this to you in John three seventeen. John three seventeen, because since we know God is love, when we know the expression that God has given us where love is concerned through his son, why are we misconstruing or condemning people using God and scriptures and truth where this is concerned, uh, maybe where their sins are concerned, as if that's the purpose of why Jesus came to do. And that's what's keeping people from them and accepting him because they don't believe he he accepts them and they believe that Jesus is condemning them for their sins that they have done to him. But John 3.17 really cleans that up and brings everything into a sober understanding, at least for me and hopefully for you. John 3.17, and it reads, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Let's continue to see if it gets any gooder or gooder. <laughs> better and better, I know. Proper English. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Wow. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only true son. This is the verdict that light has come into the world, but people loved the darkness, not loved him, but they loved the darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Now, we're going to see a balance here, some truth and love balance. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. Again, verse 18, the NLT. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. So where does this have to do with reconciliation, restoration, uh, recalibration where love is concerned and truth is concerned and um, all the other points we were making? Well, people are not experiencing change, as I said, because they don't believe God loves them when love is what's going to motivate the change and cause the change. And they don't feel like God loves them because somebody somewhere told them that God condemns them. They condemn them for what they've done. They condemn them for what they're doing. And God just said in John 3, 17 and 16 and 18, I did not send my son to do that. Now, there will be a time where judgment will hit, but I, I did not send my son for that purpose. And if that's the purpose of how you preach and teach to people, then you're off the purpose at which Jesus came to be revealed to the whole world, the whole earth, the good, the bad, the, the ugly, the sinner, the saint, the Christian. He says, I, I have come to love the world and bring them in reconciliation with me. So if you're not preaching that, you are running people away from it. And a lot of people are running people away from God because they do not believe that God accepts them. God cannot accept this filthy, wicked sinner when you are, if not still are, a filthy, wicked sinner. And and I think we forget that because of some truths that maybe we've heard that are not necessarily, I'm not saying they're not true, but you've read them and heard them as if that's the purpose 
for why Jesus came was to condemn and to judge and all of those different things. And that's not his motivation for coming. His motivation for coming is love. So what is your motivation for preaching and teaching? What is your motivation uh, for loving? Is it just to condemn people or just to tell people and, and damn people to hell? I mean, you're doing the devil's job for him. I never met so many Christians wanting to condemn people to hell who say they're going to heaven and say they want other people to get to heaven. It's very interesting. <laughs> so we have to watch that approach and what's motivating our evangelistic approaches and, and, and tactics. Is it really love or is it some form of truth that may be true that maybe you misunderstood because it's not being led by love or, or the undertone thereof is not love? So whoever believes in him, that's the ultimate goal you're trying to get them to do is believe in him so they can have a relationship with them so they don't be condemned. But if you are responsible for condemning them, how can they turn around and believe that God accepts them? That can lead them to that change that God wants to do in them. So you're responsible, man or woman of God, disciple of Jesus. You're, you're, you're responsible for partnering with the spirit of God to help people feel accepted by God so they can know they're reconciled. And so they can know that God wants to restore to them their factory settings, how God created them, what his will and his purpose was for them. But they're never going to come into that understanding of truth until that you lead by love. I said this before, as the Lord instructed me, he says, do not ever tell anybody the truth. And if you haven't shown them the love, because they're not going to hear it anyway. So if they're not going to hear and accept the truth, it's because probably they haven't seen the expression of your love, expression of your love. So we just got to make sure we're making that adjustment in our evangelistic approaches. But to help you, we got to clean up this misunderstanding that we have on judgment and condemnation and sin. A lot of you think, I've said this before, people are going to hell for sin. No. If people are going to hell for sin, we're all going. Not if we repent. No, 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 no. If we believe. That's the difference. It's not if we repent because not every sin may be repented of. But every sin has been forgiven if you've already believed him who has forgiven sin. But see, you have see, you have more emphasis on judgment than you have love. So that tells me you have not been made perfect in love. You still are focusing on judgment because judgment is what you think is going to change people. And judgment will never change people. Only love will. And that's why he sent his son to love. I'm getting ahead of myself, but there's so many points I'm pulling out of this. You think judgment is going to kill, it's going to change people. It's going to lead people to change. It's threatening them. He says love doesn't do that. Perfect love casts out fear. And anybody who fears is fearing because with fear has judgment and, and condemnation and torment. So if you're using fear tactics, tactics to get people to change or get people to, to get saved, they're not going to be or stay saved because you're using fear as the motivation, not love. And as I just said, if Jesus was sent for love and to love, what makes you think we who are following Jesus are not going to be sent to do the same? And your job is to to reconcile people unto God, make people feel accepted by God, make people have and develop a relationship with God. But how can they possibly do that if they keep being told by you, the Christian, the disciple, they're not loved by God? And that's what the, some of the adjustments we need to make. And we will make. And I'm going to help you to do so where some of these scriptures are, are, are concerned as we dive into a, a deeper revelation here in a little bit. But let's look at some more. Let's see what we can build on where this is concerned. So let's do a quick review. If, if the scripture just said in Romans 2, he did not send his son to condemn the world, then ask yourself, why are we? Why are we condemning people if Jesus didn't? Why are we judging people if Jesus hasn't? 
within the system that's already set up in place where sin is concerned, within it is already the judgment they're in. We don't need to judge them. Within sin, if it's truly sin and it's truly bad, they're going to see it manifested in their life anyway. We don't need to use that as a fear tactic to get people to believe. It's almost like we're using fear to spark faith, but really what you're causing them to believe in and trust in is fear. And if you cause people to believe in fear, it's going to contaminate their faith. And so we've been using these fear tactics to cause people to uh, to get saved, cause people to get changed. And none of that stuff will be authentic, nor will it be long lasting because only love will endure to the end. Fear will not. Torment will not. Judgment will not. Uh, uh, all the other things that we're using through truth in its avenue will not last forever or keep them lasting forever in their faith if it was motivated by fear. And so that's the whole purpose of getting away from condemnation, getting away from judgment, getting away from those things, trying to get people to do certain things. That's 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 a, 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 a theological perversion of trying to manipulate, twist and like I said, fear based, it's fear based and fear text. It's trying to get people to believe and to do right. It's almost like what the parent does to the child. If you don't do this, I'm going to do this to you. So their motivation to not do it is because they don't want to be punished instead of their motivation being love. Sorry for that breakout. So what is motivating you? Not just to preach, teach, and, and do all those other things, like I said before. What is motivating you in your relationship with them? Is it really truly love or is it some form of fear that's uh, caused by some type of fear tactic that some preacher, teacher, or podcaster, or, or whatever taught you. And even some of the things that I may have misunderstood and, and taught you that was more fear-based. Now, I'm not saying we get off of truth and get away from truth. That is not what we're doing. We're going to put balance here. I do not advocate love in the expression of, okay, well, God is love and God loves us and we should love him and love uh, uh, others too. So we don't even need truth. We don't need commandments. We don't need all those other things. No, within love is every commandment that will that has been fulfilled by love and keeping love and being rooted in love will help you to keep those commandments, which we'll get to in, in, in a little because we're not living by 10 commandments. We're living by two commandments, love and believe. That's the only real commandments we're living by under the New Testament anyway. So it makes it easier to live by. But so I'm not, I want to make sure I'm cleaning it up and balancing it. I am not saying that God only wants us to love in this religious, again, theological approach that that we've made to the subject, which has caused us to misunderstand the purpose of this subject is that love really will change. Love will help you keep commandments. Love will uh, lead you in your life and help you to endure in the faith regarding um, within your life and all, and all those things. See, love is the motivation. And I think we preached it as just revelation and, and trying to get people this revelation of love and these different points and perspectives and recycled uh, uh, colloquial sayings regarding the subject. And it's like, yeah, that stuff's good and great. And it's good to be on a poster in some merch. But if you're not really experiencing it and encountering it too extended, no wonder why you're not seeing it manifested in your life. No wonder why you're not changing therefore. No wonder why you're not living a holy life because you're not really encountering authentically and organically the love of God. And it's probably because we've used some different approach to it that wasn't from God. And, and those tactics of fear and judgment and condemning people for their sins is some of the things that we need to clean up so people can feel accepted, can get factory reset back to the foundation of love, and can begin to experience everything that comes out of love, like truth, like change, and like a relationship with him. So are you responsible for running people away because you have used different things to push them away? Ask yourself that. 
We emphasize more on truth than we do love, which we need to stop doing. We're using judgment and condemnation to spark faith, which in which in actually in return, it actually sparks fear and fear has torment, as the scripture said. So anytime you use fear to try to get someone to do something, there's a torment that comes associated with it. Who wants to stay in a relationship that's tormenting or toxic? And some people's relationship with God, unfortunately, has become toxic. That's why they left him. That's why they're mentally ill now, because of some something that somebody told them about God that wasn't true about him. That's true in his word, but just not true about him. As I said before, the whole Bible is true, but the whole Bible is not talking to you. The whole Bible is true, but the whole Bible is not the truth that's written for us. And we have to know what's written for us so we can accept that part and reject the parts that have nothing to do with us. Especially if it goes against love because God is love. That is his nature. Again, I'm not saying because God is love, you can just do what you love. I've said that before. A lot of people think because God is love, they're going to tell people, they're going to tell and re- now redefine what love is when God is that. So you can't do that and say, well, because God loves and I am loved and, and, and all those different things, I can just do what I love. No, God didn't love you so you can do what you love. He loves you so you can do what he loves. And really, if you just accept his love and experience it, you will do what he loves, not out of obligation, but out of experience. And so um, some scriptures to back up some of this, as I said uh, in Romans 2. Romans 2, did I see that in here? Let me see if I have that. Romans 2, where it says, um, you have no excuse, oh man, everyone who judges, or excuse me, let me back up. The previous scripture I read was John three eighteen. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe already stands condemned. So keep, what keeps you out of condemnation? Believing in Jesus. So if you believe in Jesus, stop condemning people who say they believe in Jesus. Well, they're not really showing works and fruits of that. That's not your concern. That's none of your business. Stay in your lane and mind your business and, and let God tend to his. For God did not send his son to condemn the world, so why are you, as it says in verse 17? But another scripture to support this is Romans 2, 1 through actually almost 30. <laughs> it says, um, you have no excuse, O man, everyone who judges for in passing judgment on one another, you actually condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the same very thing. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Notice that he says that the judgment of God will fall rightly upon those. You don't have to judge them. That is already built into the system that they're participating in where sin is concerned. So stop judging their sin. That's that their sins will pretty much judge them. What we do is love them through the sin. Love them back to God, reconcile them unto God by showing them the relationship that God desires to have with them. And so continuing to read in, in, in uh, Romans 2, he says, we know that the judgment of God will rightly fi- fall upon those who practice such things. But do you suppose, oh man, that you who judge and practice those same things that you, you do them yourselves will escape the judgment of God? That's almost like that hypocrite, that's not a word, the hypocrisy or the hypocriticalness in the body of Christ where people want to talk about things that one person is doing when they're doing similar things in another way. People used to love to talk about my homosexual sins when they're making heterosexual sins. Do you think you're escaping judgment because you're condemning me for my, for my sins and judging me for mine? No, no, no. You better judge yourself because you too are falling victim of this judgment if you would just look and consider yourself and your own relationship with God. That's why I'm saying mind your business, tend to your own business. This will help you fall, keep you from falling from judgment. 
But he says, do you think you're going to escape judgment by condemning and judging somebody else? Or do you presume that all of the richness of his kindness and, and, and forbearance and mercy and patience is pretty much of no good? Don't forget his rich kindness and mercy and patience towards his people when you try to judge his people. Because don't forget, God is merciful. God is God is uh, 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 long-suffering. God is patient. There's a lot of things that you don't think is forgivable that is forgivable. There's a lot of people you may not even think will be in heaven because you don't think that they're forgiven and they are forgiven. There's, it, I'm telling you, you're going to get an end-time, end-of-the-world shock of judgment where with those you never thought would make it in, make it in to heaven and those you, you just knew weren't going to hell are going there. And so um, I think it's because we're judging people unsoundly, um, unrighteously. And of course, I mean, you make up this word unlovingly. We're not using love as the motivation here to judge and correct and to lead into God. When love becomes the precursor and the motivation, we do it more delicately. We do it by the, by the leading of the Holy Spirit and we do it and it's, and it's going to bring people into repentance. If your so-called correction didn't bring people into repentance, maybe it wasn't even done in love. Maybe. Maybe it wasn't even done in love. And again, if it wasn't done in love, how can it really be done by faith? Um, people who judge, it says here in the end of this scripture, you are hard and impotent hearts and you're storing up wrath for yourself on the day of judgment when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. It's on that day, not this day. So stop trying to speed up that day. What we're doing is to love. What we're motivated by is love. What we're trying to get people to do is love God just as much as they love their sin, if not more than they love their sin. What we're trying to do is get the people to understand and comprehend, which is almost uncomprehendable, this love and the height, depth, width, breadth, and length thereof. So they can experience it. And once they experience it, it's going to lead them to change. So stop using fear tactics to do what only love can do. Stop trying to use judgment to do what love can only do. Because what you'll find is you'll be unsuccessful in your measures and your approach to do those things. Again, just a quick sp- scriptural reference and a reminder. I went to John three seventeen, Romans 2, 1 through kind of like 29. I referenced Revelations 2, uh, 2 through 6. 2 Thessalonians 5, I believe it was. 2 Thessalonians 5, something, something. Um, or excuse me, Second Thessalonians 3, 5, Amplified Classic. These are some just uh, foundational things we're going to build on in the episodes to come because, like I said, I'm going to present to you some more radical truths to build up on this revelation God is giving and has given where judgment and end time uh, judgment is concerned, heaven and hell, all that stuff, because I think if we can approach it from there, It'll help us to tackle it here. I think the reason why people judge people because they really think these certain people, because of their certain sins, are going to hell. And if they're going to hell for their sins, you're going to hell for yours because you're not going to escape judgment by not sinning. You're going to escape judgment by believing. And I can't emphasize that. The, 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 I, let me slow down. I cannot emphasize that enough. If you do not believe, you're already damned and judged. If you believe, there's different conditions now. There's different a different system. You're under a different judgment now. And we have to take that into consideration. But I think in order to take it into consideration, we have to have a revelation of the end time judgment. What does that really look like? 
so we can approach it. What does it look like in love? And so we can approach these people with love, because I honestly think that's what hindering us from loving people. We really think that God is condemning them. We really think that God hates them. We really think that they're not accepted. And we really think that they're going to hell. So if we can, we can reconcile our theological approaches where that concern, where that is concerned, excuse me, I think that'll help us to love people where um, these sins and certain situations and issues are concerned. So just a little kind of wetting your whistle, getting your ears to perk up, kind of getting your heart to get pricked as we prepare and I prep you for this uh, growing revelation. And uh, maybe in this Beyond series, God will give you a revelation that will forever change the course of your life and how you've been motivated in your life. And you may come to finally actually know Christ. Some of you think you know him. You just know about him because all you have is truth on him. But maybe you actually will come to get to know him through experience with him once you learn how to love him by knowing how much he loves you. Let's respond to love here as we get reconciled and reset back to it. So that's all the time I have for you today. Sorry for any technical difficulty that you may have in to endure. And please forgive my, I, I know I talk fast and I know it's hard to keep up with. That's why I do that quick reference and review and even kind of give you like a prelude um, from our previous episode. So you kind of know where we're going, where we've been tracking so you can sort of keep up. But we have so much to cover and I only have so little time to do it. So Again, thank you again for bearing with me and never forget, God accepts you, grace changes you, and you can't control you. As we get reconciled back into love, we're going to see how God is going to get to do those things in us as we experience those things with him. So without further ado, until next time, love you all, and I can't wait to see or hear you around. Stay connected, okay? And stay in love.